0: Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning already. Um, so, uh, God's heart and God's will for every one of us is that we all be woven into His story. And uh, He is the best storyteller ever, and He has the best story ever. I mean, he's the he's the writer, he's the director, he's the producer. And while I don't know all the details of what this story looks like, I don't know every chapter, I don't know every part of every script, I know what the end looks like. You know, the end looks like that His glory would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So His desire in this story of life that He's inviting us all to participate with is His glory be known, His glory be seen, His glory be felt. What is his glory? His glory, at the, just at the, the, the foundation of his glory, is goodness. Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. And God said, and God caused all of his goodness to pass before Moses. And so when Moses cried out for glory, God showed him his goodness. I don't know what it's all going to look like, and I know sometimes we get off script. You know, we're not the producers, we're not the writers, we're not the directors, but we all play a part in God's story. And I know life sometimes pulls us in different directions, and sometimes we find ourselves drifting and getting out of script and getting out of where God wants us to be. But He wants us to be in His story, because there's no better story than God's story for your life. You can't write a better life. I'm sorry, you can't write a better story for your life than the one that God has. You can't love yourself more than God loves you. You can't develop better plans for your life more than God has for you. He's just that good. He's so much better than you could possibly think. You know, and um, this morning when we were worshiping and everyone came forward, um, I was just overcome with emotion as we were praying. And some of, I knew that some of the Eagle's Nest guys and the Regen guys, which are over here, in case you don't know, you might be new to us, but our church has a phenomenal ministry. It's connected with Eagle's Nest Regeneration Ministry. It's a ministry of addictions where men whose lives have been Overcome with addictions, for whatever reason they have an opportunity, God gives them an opportunity to come uh, to come to Eagle's Nest for nine months and, and just to become part of God's story because they've, they've done life outside of that and you know you don't have to be addicted to drugs to do life outside of God's story, do you? I think we've all been tempted to get outside of god's story, but as they as they were up this morning, I was just overcome with emotion because um, one of my best friends from high school, Steve Beeks, and I had really four good friends, and and we ran together from seventh grade all the way through graduation. Our, we we graduated together. We have a picture with us, just arms around each other at our graduation, and you know we did everything together. We even went. Well, I went to Radford University, and they all went to New River Community College because I had slightly better grades than they did. We just did li- we did life together. Well, I got a text last night about 11 o'clock that uh, that one of my good friends died yesterday from drug abuse and overdose. And so, um, you know, I was just thinking that's not God's story for Steve. And it just it just overcame me because Steve never got to to realize God's story. He never he never stepped into God's story. He never walked into God's story. He didn't know God's goodness. He didn't taste. That God is a good God. Because I know if he did, I know that he would want to be part of that story. How can you resist such a good God and such a good story? And then there were some family members that were up. And it just I, just I just realized, I said, don't take for granted what God is doing in this very moment right now. Don't take for granted. God is doing something. And it may not be easy, but he is doing something good. And he is calling us and he is drawing us into his story and his story's good. And I just want to pray for a moment. If anyone in here who's struggled with addiction, has a loved ones that struggle with addiction, I'm going to ask that you would stand up. And I want us to pray right now for, for loved ones, for families, for friends who who've, who've struggle with addictions. And would one of you guys that are in the program who's a leader, would, would you come up here? Would you guys come on up?
1: Would you just pray for, sure. pray for this? Well, Lord, uh, you're bigger first, Lord. You're bigger than addiction. Uh, you, have a, you have a way, Lord, of uh, using the things that me and my friends over here thought was good, Lord, uh, to turn it around, Lord, and almost use it against the enemy. And, uh, God, you've brought each one of us from that, uh, from that dark place, Lord, into a, a spot, Lord, of healing and uh, and I thank you Lord. I thank you for the healing that's taking place in our lives and our families and just a picture of it with Limbert's family up here God. We just we just declare continued restoration and continued healing of those spots and the ones that Lord that just don't know you that are searching for that hope and that acceptance and that love in those places Lord, they're just our lies God. I pray Father that your love brings people like us to a spot of repentance, Lord, and of healing. And uh, we, we say thank you, Lord. We just declare over anybody in addiction, Lord, that there's a better way, and you are the better way, God. And we love you, Lord, and we give you glory, just like, just like uh, Daniel's saying, Lord, it's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Um. Just really quickly, I've had this text for um, a really long time. <laughs> um, just a quick background. So my brother has battled opioid addiction for probably about fifteen years. Um, it's actually how I came to do- to Dwelling Place because he went through Eagles Nest Regeneration. Um, and when he was here. Probably three months after he'd been here, I just looked at him one Sunday and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And he was like, what? And I said, I want to have a women's ministry. And everybody laughs when I say that because they're like, women have kids. And I'm like, I know. But it's actually kind of what I do now. Um, I work at the community service board and I work with women that have children and the women are struggling with addiction. So. But this was a text that was actually sent to me um, probably about a year and a half ago from my... Brother that struggles with addiction, his ex-wife. Um, and I just wanted to read it because I think that if you are someone that struggles with addiction or has a family member, it's just important here. Addicts and alcoholics are sensitive to God's spirit, that they have believed the lie that they can only survive in an altered state, which is very true, but their destiny was to live drunk on the Holy Ghost. There's a generation of God's generals being held captive by being held captive by addiction. The enemy knows they are powerful and sets out to pull them on the wrong side. The ones that have been discounted, the outcast, truly world changers. Someone has got to get the word out. They need to know destiny is calling. They need to know the keys are in their hand to open the door for their freedom. The voices and people called to carry that mantle are the victims of the addict's behavior. The ploy has been to make victims so bitter and hard towards them that they want nothing to do with anyone with that behavior. What you hate is what you hold the key to. The most prejudiced people are the ones called to build bridges. You don't have a problem. You have ministry.
0: Thank you, Cora. Um, So, um, you know, part of that... Part of this story is, we could talk about the ending, we know that it's for God's glory. We also know that this story involves us being transformed into the image of His Son, right? And that's what it looks like, that whatever this journey looks like, whatever happens, wherever you are in this journey, that your destiny, that God's heart for you, God's goal for you, is that you would look like His Son, that you would love like His Son, that you would think like His Son, that you would do like his son, and I don't know about you, but who else better to be like than Jesus? It's an amazing story. It's a great invitation that we, our destiny is to be transformed into the image of Jesus, God's son. And um, we've been talking about the process of doing it, and we've been looking at the foundations of growth. And I think Mitch had already mentioned it that that journey involves as we go from the moment that we're born again until, you know, the process, however far along you get in the process of being transformed into the Son's image, that there's these different foundations that are all critical if we're going to move in that direction. And we've been talking about four foundations, that it begins with receiving. And receiving can look like this, you hear God. How many of y'all know that if you said yes to Jesus, it was because He was calling you, not because you thought it was a good idea? If you just thought it was a good idea, you probably aren't walking with Him anymore. But it was He was calling you. you no, know, Anytime you see that, anytime you see someone taking a step towards God, it is a safe assumption to believe that God's calling them. Jump on that with God. Partner with that. Be bold. Don't shrink back. Pray with them. Tell them God loves them. Tell them God is calling you right now. He is drawing you into the best story. So to receive, though, it could be you could hear His voice. You could see, Jared was talking about seeing, and you might feel like that sounds kind of weird, but God speaks through a multitude of ways. He could speak through vision. He could speak through dreams. He could just through, speak through just pictures in your mind. All right. How do you know it says, the Bible says taste. Heck, you can taste him. I'm not sure what he tastes like, but I'm guessing it's a steak. <laughs> Something along that lines, because that's just really good. And he is really good. So it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you receive from the Lord. But then Mitch was talking about it's important to respond. You know that he reveals and we respond. But there's also aspects, there's times where as we draw near to Him and as we seek to get into His story that, you know, we walk and we're trying to be part of God's story and we realize, you know, there's some things that are hindering me. There's some things that are holding me back. I'm not flowing in this story. I'm not not really moving in God's story. And sometimes we realize that there's some things holding us back that we've got to lay aside. And sometimes you just got to lay aside some things and those things could be bad thinking. The majority of my life, that's what I realize. I've got a lot of stinking thinking. And as you think, so you are. And so I'm having a hard time walking in this new identity in Christ and this new purpose in Christ because I'm still operating off of some old thinking. You know? And we are transformed into the image of Christ as our minds are renewed. So sometimes you just got to lay aside some bad thinking. And I think one of the things the Lord wants to do this morning is I think he wants to deal with a lot of self-limited thinking. That our own thinking, that our own thoughts, or things that we've heard, or things that we received, are really keeping us from the fullness of going all in in God's story. Some self-limited thinking. Not only that, though, but then there's this place where we get to actually practice. And this is the word that Rick spoke has really caught my attention. You know, that word says that we're to be doers of the word, not merely hearers. And that word do doesn't just mean just do it like a robot. It literally means there's a creative aspect to that word. It's, I'm not going to pronounce it, but it almost sounds like poem, something like that. And really what it means is as God's speaking to us, we get to actually step into what he's speaking, and we get to begin to kind of experiment, and we get to begin to get write a poem, and our life becomes part of his great story. So it's more fluid than just, God said, do this, I'm a robot, I'm going to do this. No, it's like you're invited because he invites you, because he's so loving, he's so gentle, he doesn't force you and say, you will be in the story, Tulio, and this is your role, and this is what you're going to do, period. He says, Tulio, come on. What I've got for you is so much better than anything, any story you could write for your own life. Well, What does it look like, God? Just come on. Because you got to trust. And when Rick was talking about one time, he felt like God was revealing to him a story about an addiction ministry called Eagle's Nest. Do you remember when Rick was sharing that story? Rick said that the Lord spoke to him about a ministry for addictions. He even had the name, God gave him the name Eagle's Nest. And so what Rick did is, so he received, he was in his presence. I don't know what that looked like, but Rick was in the presence of God. And he heard God's voice say, Size, I invite you to partner with me to birth a regen ministry. So he heard from the Lord. But then you heard the rest of his story, right? So basically, this is paraphrase, Size said, Okay, God, I got this. He goes out, he buys the land, and if you know anything about Sizemore, he puts his money where his mouth is. (laughs) He is not a hearer only. He can never be accused of being a hearer. He is a mover, and he is a shaker, and he is a doer. So Siz hears the word. I want you to partner with me. I'm inviting you to birth a regen ministry. Siz says, okay, I got this. He gets resources together. He buys 80 acres of land. Come on, now that's taking action, right? I mean, he's responding, but you know the rest of the story. It ends up in total frustration. The ministry never gets off the ground. It never's birthed. He has to end up selling the land. It just didn't work. It just ended up in frustration. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. His story throughout every one of these steps from receiving. He received in his presence. But unless you remain in his presence while you respond, unless you remain in his presence while you lay aside, unless you remain in his presence while you practice, the story can become very frustrating. In fact, you could start looking and going like, where is the fulfillment of that promise? God, you said there was going to be a regen ministry. You spoke that to me. So what happened? Where did it go wrong? Now, let me pause for a second. Twenty some years later, we have an eagle's nest regeneration ministry. Would you guys stand up if you're part of the eagle's nest regeneration ministry? See, I believe this. I believe that size heard the Lord. But see, it's all about presence. And no matter where you are in this story, in this journey, whether you're hearing from the Lord, you know, it's real important that you hear in presence because if you don't hear in presence, the story's just getting way off, right off the bat. But it's possible to actually hear in presence and respond out of presence, It's actually possible to hear in his presence and try to lay aside out of his presence. It's possible to hear in presence and practice outside of presence. How many of us in here today, we could probably say, I know what that's like. I've had a promise. (laughs) Look, we can pick on size all day long because he's not here. (laughs) I personally think it's a great idea. (laughs) But he could be watching, so I better be careful. (laughs) But it's just like the Lord, isn't it, to invite us into his story and not give us all the details right away. It's just like his personality. Because the Lord is so interested in the process. And we get fixed on the product. Regen ministry, I got this, Lord. I got the land. I know connections. I bring it all together. And bam. Except Rick was just part of that story. God was inviting them in to be a part of the story of Eagle's Nest Regeneration Ministry that would touch thousands of men, that would touch thousands of wives, that would touch thousands of children. And my brother was the second person to go through the Regen Ministry. The second one. The first one, guess what his name was? Adam. (laughs) I think that's really cool. So, I'm connected to to that. But you know, we've all probably had a promise. We've all heard the Lord's voice. You know, a few weeks ago, I was having a quiet time. I was spending time with the Lord, and I heard the Lord speak to me. Do y'all know what that's like when you're in a quiet time? Sometimes my quiet times are very um, robotic. But I think it's good to do them anyway, right? I mean, I can have a quiet time and leave, going, I'm not sure if I had presence, really, um, but I had word, and, you know, just do it anyway, right? But, I mean, this is one of those where I I had presence, because all the indicators were there. I felt love, I felt peace, and I felt joy, and as I was in presence, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to love this particular person that you've been having a hard time loving. I said, God, that is a great idea. I even feel the love for this person. And I felt love, and I felt compassion for someone that I had been struggling with relationally. And you know what? That was the Lord. That was the Lord 100%. And I was so excited to see this person. And then I saw him. You lost that love and feeling. Oh, that loving feeling. You lost that loving feeling. Now it's gone, gone, oh. Oh. gone. Whoa. Whoa. Lord, what happened? Hours ago, I could have hugged this person, I could have loved this person. And the Lord began to speak to me. He goes, what what begins in presence cannot be fulfilled outside of presence. What he begins in presence has to be fulfilled. You have to remain in presence to remain in God's story. It's like the Galatians. When Paul spoke to the Galatians, he said, man, what's wrong with you guys? You who begun by the Spirit and by faith. You received by faith and you begun in presence. Are you now being perfected in the flesh? It's not going to happen that way. So every step, whether receiving, whether responding, whether we're laying aside, y'all, the key, the key in God's story is remaining in presence. Everything is in his presence. Every provision, every word, every emotion, every ounce of strength, everything you need is in his presence staying and remaining in His presence. Jesus thought it was a good idea. Him being the Son of God, He said, Hey, I can only do what I see my Father doing. I only speak what I hear my Father saying. He wasn't wasn't saying He didn't have thoughts or He didn't have ideas or He couldn't do certain things. He was saying, Look, the only way is through relationship. The only way Is through abiding. The only way to fulfill the Father's story is in communion. It's staying connected with Him in communion and intimacy. That is the way to do it. So I want to illustrate this. We're going to look in Exodus this morning. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to look at Exodus beginning in chapter 3. And we're even going to jump all the way to 33. So I'll give you a moment to, to turn there. But don't be surprised that when God invites, when God calls, when you've got an opportunity to hear his voice, to see him, don't be surprised if he doesn't give you all the details or the whole script the moment he calls you. So he'll say, he'll, I mean, he'll, he might say something like, Daniel, will you? God, will I what? Will you follow me? God, where are you going? Will you? And sometimes that's 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 where the whole thing begins. He doesn't give you any more details than that. The question is is will you follow if that's all you know? That's where the story begins. And the only way to get the next detail of the story is to remain in presence. Is to stay connected. Is to abide. Is to say, apart from Him, I can do nothing. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. If Jesus said, I only speak what I hear Him saying, and I only do what I see Him doing, that came through abiding. That comes through connection. That comes through intimacy. So I I don't think... Sizemores alone (laughs) I think we all can relate if I were to ask a show of hands anyone that maybe you've heard a word uh, over the last several months or even years and, and you're wondering where is this thing going what happened to that prophetic word that was spoken over me what is this thing God you spoke this to me years ago I remember where am I in this story what's going on with the story what's happening anyone relate Oh, yeah? I mean, right? You can relate. I don't have the answer to what you're asking, but I know where it is. It's in his presence. Wherever you go, whatever you look for, find presence. Get back. Get centered on presence. Because I want to look back at the end of my life. As I look back and I live out my days, I want to look back and go, you know what? My history was filled with His story. Would that be satisfying? Is that satisfying? Knowing that my history was filled with His story. I don't think it's any better than that. You can't write a better story for your life than God has for your life. You can't do more awesomeer things in your life than He has planned for your life. Right? Did you say amen <laughs> So we're going to look at Moses. So we know size isn't alone. We know that we, we, we can relate. But I want to illustrate this by looking at the life of Moses. And, uh, and, it's, and we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 3. Just a little backdrop that um, the Israelites, also known as the Hebrews, were enslaved to the Egyptians. And they began to multiply and multiply and multiply and multiply. And the Egyptians began to get concerned and out of insecurity and out of fear, thinking that the Hebrews were going to take over. Pharaoh has this idea, I know how we're going to control the population. I know how we're going to control them mentally and emotionally through abuse, through torture, through hard work, also through killing the male babies as they're being born. But Moses' mom, as Moses is being born, having favor with the midwives, takes Moses, puts Moses in the Nile River. And as Moses is miraculously floating down the Nile River, Pharaoh's daughter, who just happens to be there, who just happens to be whatever she was doing, (laughs) sees Moses and takes him up out of the Nile. So she picks up Moses and actually returns Moses to his mother until he's ready to be weaned. I mean, who can, who can write that story, y'all? Come on. <laughs> who, you can't make that story up. That's kind of God stuff, isn't it? I mean, that's the kind, when you start following God, you start seeing like, you can't make this stuff up. The dreams and things that God has in you comes from him. You can't muster that up. You can't make this story up. So what happens is, is so, until, so the, actually Moses' mother gets to, to nurse and care for Moses until he's weaned. And he weans, gives her to Pharaoh's daughter. Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. And then one day Moses, I don't know, the Bible's silent on some of this, so I just kind of have to use a sanctified imagination, that somewhere along the way Moses knows that, you know, that this is not his real mother, that actually the Hebrews, the Israelites are his real family. Somewhere in the know, he gets a revelation, this is my family. This is my tribe. I live in this house. I live amongst these people, but it's these people that are my family. These people are my tribe. I don't know how that revelation came to him, but the Bible says he was out one day and he was amongst his brothers and he saw an Egyptian beating his brother. So what did Moses do? You guys know the story probably. What Moses does, he strikes down the Egyptian he actually kills the Egyptian, and then he buries the Egyptian in the sand. <laughs> I'm not sure that's God's part of the story, but, but a couple days later, he goes out, and he sees two Hebrews fighting, and he says, God, what are y'all doing? Why are you fighting amongst one another? You're brothers. Brothers and sisters don't fight, right? <laughs> Why are you fighting amongst one another's? And then they looked at him and he goes, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And it says at that, that statement, Moses became afraid. At that statement, he began to entertain fear and he began to entertain insecurity and he began to go on the run. It says that Pharaoh came after him. He became Egypt's most wanted. He wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. He delayed God's deliverance for Israel by 30 years. What happened? Here's the question I have Whose idea, where did Moses get the idea that he was going to be a deliverer for the Hebrews? Where did he get that from? I believe he got it from the Lord. I believe the idea came from the Lord. In Acts chapter 7, it does a summary of this whole story. In Acts chapter 7, it says this, this, is that Moses presumed, or that Moses thought that his brethren knew that God was granting them deliverance through him. Somewhere, and I don't know because we don't have all the details, somewhere when Moses was in Pharaoh's house, he hears, or he gets a word You're going to be the deliverer of my people. And what does Moses do? I got this. I got this. See, I believe he heard correctly. I believe he received part of his purpose in life, which is a pretty awesome purpose, from the Lord. But then the question that you got to ask is, What happened, Moses? This thing began in the Lord. You heard something from the Lord, but where did it get off track? Because it got off track, y'all. And see, sometimes we can look at the whole story and we can go to the end and we can say, whoa, look how much good came out of this. And we could come to the wrong conclusion and think God orchestrated it all. So much good can come out of stuff that we could think God orchestrated it all, and that's not exactly what happens in life. What He does is that He's really good at turning our messes into good things. Is what He's good at. He's actually so good at turning our messes into good things we could think He's the blame for all the mess in life. No, He's not. He's just really good at redeeming our messes. See, what happens is we make messes when we drift from presence. And as we drift from presence, we go from it being his story to my story. See, it became Moses' story. I got this. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) That didn't work. And so we'll do that sometimes. We'll hear from the Lord. Love that person. I got this, Lord. I'm going to love him. And then you see him, and you got no love. (laughs) Because you can't do it outside of his presence. Because in his presence is everything pertaining to life and God. This is all the grace you need. Grace takes you to levels of living that you can't attain on your own, right? Grace empowers you to love people you can't love on your own. Grace empowers you to give to people that owe you. Grace empowers you to, did I already say forgive? To forgive people that do you wrong. You can't do this stuff outside of his presence. It'll catch up to you. It'll catch up to you. And then all of a sudden, what began in his story, now you're in your own story. So we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Moses receives a word. I'll just read the scripture. Verse 7. Chapter 3, he goes, and this is God speaking. He goes, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Who has seen? God has seen. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers. Who's hearing? God is hearing. And I am concerned about their suffering. He saw, he heard, and he felt. Because he's a personal being, y'all. You know and it's relationship that he desires more than anything else. And so he calls us into his story so that we could be with him doing the story of life together. Because he's capable enough of his own to get the right outcome. But he invites us to participate with him, to be co-creators in a sense as we practice what he, we hear that he's speaking to us. He invites us into this process because He loves us. And then we realize when we drift from presence, we realize we can't do it because life is in the vine. A branch that's not attached to the vine can't simply produce fruit. Neither can we because He is the vine and we are the branch. And when we remain in Him, all the substance for life that we need is in that vine so that we could produce the fruit that we need to So he hears, God hears, God sees, God feels. Sometimes we're tempted to say, where are you, God? Don't you hear? Don't you see? Don't you care? He does. He does care. Verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up into a land of good and spacious land, a land that flows with milk and honey. Whose idea is this? This is God's idea. God's got something that he wants to do. And he actually is describing what it is. And then he gives Moses an invitation. He says this, this is my story, Moses. Would you like to participate with me in the story? Verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God is inviting Moses to partner with him to bring his people out of Egypt. And what does Moses say? Who am I? Wait, 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 wait. This is God's story. This isn't about you right now. Somehow, Moses, just like that, takes God's invitation to partner with God in God's story and he flips it and he says, But who am I? And immediately, he's making this story. Moses is attempting to make God's story his story. See, but what does God say to him? God answers his question, right? Moses says, who am I? And then God responds to him. And what does God say? Well, Moses, you are a man made in my own image. I created you. I formed you when you were in your mother's womb. I have so many delightful thoughts about who you are. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. Moses. Moses. You are a mighty man of God. I have put justice inside of you so you will deliver my people. It's in you. Now be who you are. Does God say all that? He doesn't say any of that. That's what I would have wanted to hear. (laughs) Do you know what God said to Moses? I'll be with you. I don't think you heard my question, God. Who am I? To fill such assignment. I can't do it. And God says I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Because see Moses, don't make this about you. It's not about your littleness. How little you are in your own eyes. Because even that's a form of pride. It's still being focused on yourself. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I was afraid I was going to mess that up. Thank you. (laughs) I had that memorized. (laughs) Let's try it again. It might sound better this time. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. See, it's not about your littleness, your insignificance, your insecurities, your inabilities, the fact that you don't have the gift set or the skill set to do it. If you start there, you're already limiting yourself. If that's where you start, you've already limited yourself because God's story is greater than any story you can make up on your own. So Moses is starting right off the bat of trying to make this his story. God says, I will be with you. And at this point in the story, we know this about Moses. I don't think Moses was convinced that God's presence was enough. At that point, he's not. If you read that, there's a lot of interaction. I'm not qualified. I can't speak. Well, that's funny because I trained you in Pharaoh's house in the best education with the best orators. I think you know how to speak. But I can't speak. Hey, why don't you send someone else? I tap out. God, someone else can do it. And God says, okay, okay, I'll let Aaron be your mouthpiece. So gracious, so compassionate. God is being so gracious. He does get frustrated, though, at some point in the story. God starts getting frustrated with Moses because Moses is constantly trying to make this story about him, about Moses, and it's not about Moses. But to Moses' credit, somewhere along the line, he catches a revelation. Maybe it was in the midst of all the tent of meetings. You know, when Moses would go in and meet, With God, and he would come out that they would have to put a veil over his face because of what? Because the glory was so thick on him that the people could not even look directly at him because of the glory of God. And you know what? And so, we—it's easy for us to go. Well, that's Moses. Moses was a special character in God's story. Moses had a special place with God. None of us do. I beg to differ. Because the Bible says this in Corinthians about Moses' glory. It says that Moses' glory was an external glory. It means it didn't come from within him, it came from outside of him. It also said that in time, his glory would decrease. And in Corinthians, it says that we have a glory. The difference between our glory and the glory of Moses is that our glory is internal. It's inside of us. Another difference about our glory and Moses' glory, it says that ours increases with time. So where Moses' glory faded, ours is ever-increasing. Amy sung about it this morning. We're going from what? From glory to glory. This is an ever-increasing glory that's on our lives. And the goal is not to, so you could say, look at me, I'm so glorious. The goal is that you could look at my life and say, boy, God must be good. Because I know Daniel. Daniel would be right next to my friend Steve. Steve if it wasn't for God's goodness. There's no doubt about it in my mind. The goal is His glory that the world would see His goodness. That when they see you, that they say, what is that on you? What is that joy on you? What is that peace on you? Where's that love coming from? What's different about you? And they're drawn into the story because of the glory that's on you. And that's when your story becomes his story. So that your history is filled with his story. That's where I want to live. Somewhere in the process, Moses begins to get this thing about his presence. Oh, yeah. It's in his presence. Because God, they, if you fast forward, Exodus chapter 33... They are now ready to enter into the promised land. This magnificent deliverance, all these signs and wonders, and now they're ready to go into the promised land, and God tests Moses. God will test you. The devil will tempt you. God will test you. He always tests you for good. He wants to make sure you're in faith and you're walking in love. He always tests you to provide for you a greater opportunity because he tests you to see if you pass the test because if you pass the test, then he can give you more influence. But if you don't pass the test, he withholds some of his blessings from you. Why would he do that? I thought he was a good God because he doesn't want the blessing to kill you because sometimes the greatest temptation in life is not lack, it's prosperity, it's blessing, it's abundance. It's abundance. That will take people out as quick as hard times and hardship. And you don't even see it coming. The hardship, you see it coming. And a lot of times in the midst of hardship, it brings you to your knees. But prosperity sometimes will take you and you don't even realize that it's taking you. So God is testing Moses because Moses is getting ready to go down in history as the greatest deliverer to ever walk the face of the earth. He defeated an Egyptian army without weapons. He brought forth substance out of the sky, out of the ground, out of the rocks. He divided rivers for a nation to go through them. Come on, you don't write this kind of stuff. You can't make up this kind of story. So God's ready to test him to see if he can handle them more. Moses, you've been pretty faithful in the wilderness, but will you be faithful in abundance? You've been faithful in lack, but will you be faithful in prosperity? Will you be faithful in abundance? So God goes to Moses and said, hey, Mo. He says, "Uh, yeah, God. He goes, I'm getting a little frustrated with these people, Mo. In fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the land. I will send my angel ahead of you, and my angel is going to wipe out all these ites who are standing in your way, He's going to make a way for you, and you're going to live in an abundant land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to live in prosperity, abundance, blessing, and life. But I'm not going, because if I go, I might take a few of them out on the way. <laughs> I, might just, I might just have to take a few out. I was just thinking, okay, if that was me, the greatest purpose and destiny that you could imagine Your name would go down in history. The greatest deliverer to walk the face of the earth. You'd be known forever. Not that it's about being known. What would I have done? You got a word. What's the word? You can go. You've got provision. I'll send my army ahead of you. He's an angel, but he does the same thing as a big army. I mean, he'll take care of everything you got. You're free. Go. It's right there. I'm afraid I might have said word up let's go I don't know I don't know what I would have done with that opportunity for success if I'm being honest with you but Moses passed the test doesn't he because what did Moses say no 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 no, God you're not putting this on me this ain't my story these aren't my people This wasn't my deliverance. This is your people. This was your idea. You brought them out of Egypt. And you're going to be the one that takes them into the promised land. This ain't my story. But I'll tell you what, God. If you stay here, we stay here. If you don't go, we don't go. That's how much I value your presence. I value your presence so much. How will it be if we go into the promised land? How will it be that we will have favor outside of your presence? Moses concluded, favor comes from presence. Moses also concluded, if you don't go with us, how will we be distinguished from all the people on the face of the earth? What will set us apart if you don't go with us? Well, your name, your reputation, the business you built. Your bank account, what you possess, that's going to set you apart, right? The success, that will set you apart. No, 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 no. The only thing that will set us apart and will distinguish us from all of the other people in the world is your presence, God, because I've tasted and I've seen. And if you don't go up from this place, neither will I. And God says, you got it, Mo. You caught it. I don't know where he caught it, but he began to have a higher value for his presence than God's presence. He began to value communion and relationship and the process more than the product, more than the blessing, more than the outcome. Because it's all about his presence. And at any point in God's story, you drift out of presence. It becomes your story. Your story, I'm sorry, is not as good as God's story. And when you step out of God's story, you don't have the resources to do everything that God's called you to do in his story, in his presence. It's all about his presence. Everybody doing okay? To I always look to my wife to decide if I should continue or stop. So y'all pretend like you don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> quick story. Quick story. So about a year and a half ago, God began to speak to me about something. I didn't even know what it meant. He began to speak to me. and says, Daniel, I want to... Enlarge your capacity. And I said, God, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Y'all, I've always been good at doing one thing. You can ask Val. I get locked in on something. Mitch is similar. You put something before, I'll get it done. So God's, God begins to speak to me about, Daniel, I want to enlarge your capacity. Because honestly, I'll be honest with you, In me was, was this desire to have more influence. I want to, I want to have greater influence. And that can sound selfish, but I I believe my heart was I want people to know God's goodness. I want a greater level of influence so people can know and see how good God really is. If you don't have influence, no one's looking, no one's listening, no one's paying attention to you, and they don't care what you have to say or think, right? So I'm like, I want to have more influence. So God begins to say, I'm going to enlarge your capacity. That's not what I asked for, God. I just want more influence. And He says, I'll enlarge your capacity. So now i got a chance to say, am I going to participate? Am I going to be a co-creator? Am I going to create a poem of figuring out what this thing even means when I don't know what it means? So what do I do? I say, okay, God, enlarge my capacity. And he begins to show me a picture of what that looks like. He takes a balloon, stretches it out a bunch of times. What are you doing, God? Expanding your capacity, Daniel. This is a lot of fun. Are we having fun yet? (laughs) And then he goes, Don't stretch me, God. Stop stretching me. I don't want to stretch. I don't want to stretch. But doesn't this feel good? And he begins, and you guys probably remember about a year ago, I spoke a message on capacity here. About a year and a half. No one remembers. Okay. (laughs) That powerful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, and God began to, I didn't know anything else other than he wanted to expand my capacity. Now, here's my thinking. This is what makes sense in my mind. Uh, since the time I got born again at the age of 19, man, I've been set on ministry. I mean, God so radically changed my life. I was right there with my friend Steve Beeks. We were doing the same thing. And when I got saved at the age of 19, all I knew was I wanted to be part in other people's lives, like Rick Sizemore was part of my life. And all I knew is that was ministry. Rick did campus ministry, I want to do ministry, I want to do ministry, so I did an internship that some of y'all are in right now, then I went to seminary in Texas, because all I want to do, who went to seminary, Rick, where did Rick go, Southwestern, where did Daniel go, Southwestern, you can see how I was thinking for myself. That's the only model I have. I just want to do that. I want to be like that guy, and I want to do like that guy. So guess what? I did everything he did. I followed him as far as I could follow him, and then, then, then I did seminary. And I left seminary. I came out of seminary, and I was doing youth ministry. And that's all I knew. I mean, I, that's all I wanted to know. I mean, I was so fixed on ministry, and I wanted to be the best youth pastor. I wanted to be this, and I, you know, and I was just hungry. I was just hungry to grow in it. And God starts speaking about capacity, so I'm thinking, oh, I know where this is going. Mega church. (laughs) We're going to blow this thing up, (laughs) y'all. No, I can't. I can't. I might pull something to Leo. (laughs) But, y'all, that's all I knew. So he's expanding my capacity. Surely he's expanding my capacity for greater ministry, more salvations. Heck, y'all, we're going to need a baptism tank. We might need a new building. That's all I could go. That's the only place where my mind would let me go. I couldn't see anything but that. But then God began to do something different. I didn't even see it coming. It kind of came sideways. Y'all ministry's still in it, but God began to introduce something else that apparently before time my capacity could not handle. We're driving down the road one day, and Val sees this for sale sign on this apartment. So, well, it was a house. It was a triplex. It was a residential home that was converted into three apartments. And it's close to our neighborhood and everything. And Val said, let's look at that. I said, why? We don't have the resources to, to buy a triplex to, for a rental, to do a rental. Long story short, i got to condense the story. We pull in. We call the realtor who's listening it. The realtor comes over and meets with us. We start talking to him. And all of a sudden, it just feels like God's in this thing. I don't know how we're going to afford it. But let's, let's see where this thing goes. Long story short, the woman that owns it, she ends up financing it for us for the first five years with, like, 1% down payment. Wow. Something stupid, right? It doesn't make sense. Miraculous, Miraculous right. Sorry. <laughs> this is God's story. That was my story. This is stupid. <laughs> So, long story short, we're walking in this process, and she's agreeing to all these terms that are beneficial for us. And the guy that does the inspection, he shows up to do the inspection, and I start walking with him inspection, and we just kind of connected. So a couple days later, his name is Will. I say, hey, Will, um, I really enjoyed doing the inspection with you the other day. Um, I might want to do that. I might want to do this whole inspection thing. And so I've, I've got to abbreviate this. Long story short, we get the triplex. In the process, though, it's a mess, y'all. The triplex was a mess. It needed to be, I mean, basically gutted. So I'm working on one apartment at a time, one apartment at a time, and we're just, I mean, we're hammering this thing out. We're just trying to get it done. But I feel like, I'm like, I feel the joy of the Lord. Like, I'm like, I feel joy as I'm rehabbing, this miraculous property. <laughs> so I'm sensing God's presence and I'm, I'm feeling His joy. And I, I do leave a little part of the story out. In this whole process, I'm trying to learn more about real estate investing. I call this guy that was referred to me by another guy, and he does this real estate investors meeting every month, twice a month. I started going to this investors meeting, they're coaching me through the whole process. They're, they're walking with me. They're saying, hey, do this, don't do this. Here's a good, here's a good, and I'm like, guys, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. They're like, yeah, 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 you can do it. You can do it. In fact, one of the meetings, I said I can't, or, and, and after the meeting, the guy that leads the meeting, I'm walking out. He goes, hey, can I talk to you for a moment? And I was so excited. I'm like, the guy that runs the meetings wants to talk to me. <laughs> Actually, it started raining, so we are sitting in my car, and he goes, yeah, hey, you know, I just want to say something to you about what you said tonight and, and during our meeting. He said, you know, like, two or three times, you said you can't. He goes, yeah, we don't think like that in these meetings. And I'm like, yeah. Somewhere I've told in Christian counseling, I think I've told people about that can't word, you know. Maybe I've used that too, and now it's getting used back on me. So I'm like, okay, cool, Bruce, yeah. Okay, I can do this. I'm like, God, what is he talking about? Miraculously, we get it. Miraculously, I hook up with this inspector, Will, and I start doing inspections with him. And as I'm doing it, I'm loving these homes. Val and I, she, she points and she says, do this, and I do it. <laughs> it's a good working relationship. She gets the picture, she gets the vision, and she says, do this. I want this here, I want that there, and there. And, and then I start doing it. But in this whole process, I'm feeling joy. Like, I'm just feeling just a lot of life and a lot of joy, these connections. Last Thursday night, I'm skipping a bunch, but I have to. Last Thursday night, we're in a meeting. One of the main investors that's part of this meeting uh, bought a f- house to flip. It wasn't a cheap house to flip. it was a very expensive flipper, and he's been stuck with it. It's going on like eight months. He's paying the mortgage on this thing. It's a big mortgage. So another one of the realtors said they had a big open they're going have a big open house. The realtor goes, "Why don't we get like a priest or someone over there to go bless that thing right, the day of the uh, uh, open house?" And uh, so I'm standing there, and someone says, Well, aren't you like a, a pastor or something like that, Daniel? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. I said, Well, listen, I can't go over the house that day to bless it, but I said, We can bless it right now. I said, Set down your beers and your wine. Let's pray. Let's pray right here. Let's pray right now. You know? And so, so I got up, they all stand up at the table, and I said, All right, y'all ready? And I'm like, Dear Lord, you're a good God. We pray that you would sell this home this weekend. Sell this home. So we pray. We amen. They go amen. The guy said, I think I still want to have a priest come. <laughs> I just started laughing. I was like, and the other guy tried to make me feel good. He's like, no, he didn't really mean. I'm like, dude, that was funny. <laughs> like, that was funny. So I'm walking out to the car, and one of the investors follows me, and he goes, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? And I'm under the gun, y'all, because we're this is Thursday night. We're Airbnb in our house this weekend. i got to get home and clean. Y'all know what I'm saying? A lot of cleaning. So this guy, he pulls me aside. And he starts downloading all this stuff with his life. His brother, he's really close to. He's going through a divorce. He's dealing with this financial situation and all this and all this. And I start basically opening up Rick's needs book and reading the needs book to him. Not literally, but I... Because he, he was All of his needs were getting exposed. His need for identity was in real estate, was in success, and was in finances. His, his, where he was trying to get his worth from was in those things, and all those things were being shaken. So I had a chance to minister into him right there. And I, and I went home, and I was like, I texted you, like, why are you so late? What's going on? She goes, I thought maybe you had an accident. And, and, and I told her, and we were just like, isn't, isn't God good? See, I thought ministry could only happen in church. But God said, here's my story. You want to join? Because it can happen anywhere. See, when you get in God's story, the stuff you love to do, you can do it wherever he wants to do it. Even the places you don't think you're supposed to do it. So I'm just going to ask if the worship team would, would come back up. And I, I want to throw out one challenge, and then I'm going to hand off to Mitch as we close up. That, you know, the goal is, is every step of the way that we just remain in presence. He's calling every one of them. There's no one in here that he's not drawing into his story this morning. There's no one. There's no one that he doesn't see. There's no one that he doesn't hear. There's no one that he doesn't have compassion for. Everyone in here this morning, he is drawing into his story. I don't know what that story is. I just know he's good. I know his story's good. I know he's faithful. I know he's true. And it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. But hold on tightly to him and maybe hold on a little bit looser to what you thought that thing was going to look like. I'm not saying lay it down completely. I'm just saying take him up completely. Take him up. Take his presence. Like Moses said, you know what? I don't care. I want you right now. I want you above everything else right now. So maybe you're in here this morning and maybe you've been part of a story. You're not really sure if you're in God's story you're not sure if you're out of God's story, you're not sure where you are. But I'll tell you, there are some indicators that let you know And if you've slipped outside of his story. Maybe you're in your own story. Maybe you're writing your story right now. And I want to encourage you to get back into his story. And you do that in presence. There's certainly seasons in life where we go through where we experience wilderness, where it feels dry. Some of you have been in that place too long. It's, it's, it's gone beyond God's time. And some of us have experienced some of those self-limiting, doubting thoughts. I can't do this. If you'd have told me that I would have started a home inspecting company a year ago, it was nowhere in my radar. Actually, it was one year ago, the thought is where it all began, one year And I do, I have a home inspecting business today. I mean, it's just getting off the ground, but I literally would have told you I could have never done that. I'm not a businessman. I don't know business. I can't handle business. I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. And I have a home inspecting business. Where did that come from? It was nowhere in my story. Nowhere in my story. And God's providing these connections, these opportunities through this real estate investors meeting, through people that were able to rent a triplex to these different connections, these different stories. And see, you don't maybe, maybe you're so fixed in one way, but there's indicators that let you know. Maybe you're drifting outside of God's story because in God's presence, there's fullness of what? There's joy. So in his story, there's joy, y'all. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but there's joy. And in his presence, and when you're in the middle of his story, there's strength. It doesn't mean that thing's going to be easy. It just means that you're going to be strong to handle it. I'm not talking about striving. I'm not talking about making it happen. I'm not talking about turning mud into bricks without straw. I'm not talking about turning stones into bread. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about fruitful, productive Hard work, but filled with grace, filled with presence, filled with joy, filled with this presence. So if, if you're lacking that joy, you're lacking that peace, you're lacking that strength, maybe, maybe the story that you've been invited into has become your story. It's simple, y'all, just presence. Just move towards presence. Move towards presence. That's the first step to take. Move towards presence. And so that's what I want to leave you with this morning is presence, moving Towards His presence, I'm going to hand it off to Mitch.
3: So I want to have the prayer teams come up. We're going to just stand. I just, I mean, Daniel gave the call. Uh, You know, the only thing that Lee and I were here is, you know, we got to get confident in not again our story, but His story. Got to get confident in His Word, His Kingdom, in us and around us. And so I just want to. as we close this morning, uh, obviously the prayer team is going to be up here. I know we had kind of a time in the middle where we were praying for people and for healing, and but maybe that's not done in you and you want to pray for any physical healing. We want to pray for emotional, spiritual, whatever that looks like. Um, but also, I just felt like the Lord was just saying that, you know, we got to get some around that stinking thinking because God has called us to move and shake, not only the new river valley but this nation and nations and so just like moses did shook a nation you know just by embracing some things in his spirit and in his heart and then began to walk in and responded to him and then he began to say your presence is the most important part of this whole thing so i'm just going to pray that over us as we close but i want you to respond maybe that's just something you need to pray about this morning something you need to agree you want to agree with Maybe there's a Mo- Moses moment for you in this morning. Don't, don't go out of here uh, without having, maybe there's a burning bush experience that God's doing in you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for the word. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for just the interaction. Lord, uh, you, you do different things every Sunday, but Lord, thank you that you help us walk in that place because you're so unique. You're so in the moment, and Lord, we just want to be in that place with you. God, with you, yeah, I just encourage you, if you need to respond, come on up, don't wait for the end of my prayer, God, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would just supernaturally, God, free us from any stinking thinking, Lord, just Moses, he was a, he was a leader, he was a main guy in Pharaoh's house, but Lord, there was things that, there was, there was thinking in him that said, man, I'm too small, there's no way I can do that, and Lord, he was raised in the to think big, I am sure. But Lord, there was things in him that was trying to, and Lord, he had to lay aside the stinking thinking. I just pray as a body. Lord, there's nothing you can't do with dwelling place in this newer rally, in this nation. But Lord, there's, for individuals, there's nothing you can't do within each individual. Lord, where they're at, Lord, in the marketplace. Lord, uh maybe it's at home and when they're homeschooling their kids, or maybe it's uh out in the highways and byways of business, Lord, that you have supernatural opportunities to maybe stand up and tell everybody that, yeah, we're gonna believe for this house to sell. Lord, whatever that looks like, in Jesus' name, I just pray you open up opportunities, open up the windows of heaven. Open up the windows of heaven, let your rain come down. Lord, we just as we were I'm going to close with that because that's what you're saying this morning. Open up the heaven, floodgates of heaven. Let it rain in this place. Let it rain on individuals. Let it rain on dwelling places. Let it rain on this New River Valley, God, in this nation. Even as we're coming up on a very important uh, election week, God, rain on this nation. Lord. Rain in, your, in each, each of these lives. So, Lord, we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to encourage you to respond. Maybe Amy will sing something over us, but I just encourage you to respond. Tell somebody, uh, encourage somebody before you leave, uh, and have a great week. See you next week.